forward to Levi Cohen coming for so long. Welcome to our 63rd Amuna class with Rav Sholom Oresh's wonderful studio in Jerusalem. Unfortunately, the Rav himself will not be here, but guess what? We have a wonderful, wonderful step-in or sidekick or, I don't know, I feel like I'm Mazalza right now. We have a wonderful... <laughs> I'm going to help him. The correct expression is a pathetic substitute. No, 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 a no. A pathetic We have this substitute. every week. Okay, very good. We're still We're playing. Sure. We got that over with. Let's continue. <laughs> yeah, let's continue. <laughs> let's move forward quickly. We're praying for Rav Sholem Ben Yemna to please God return to our wonderful classes. Amazing. But guess what this week? And this is something that's been in discussion for a long, long time. Levy Cohen is in the house. Yes, all the way from London, or yes. rather, where are you living now? In New Shalim, Unbelievable, we came all the way. And with Jonathan Hill, all the way from Ramat, is that right? Ramat Shlomo. Ramat Shlomo, there we go. <laughs> Almost. So <laughs> it's a big, big honor to have these two talented musicians. It's in the merit of Levy Cohen that we have Jonathan Hill in the house. He is an excellent, excellent guitarist and singer, a professional all the way for many, many years. And Levy Cohen is an old friend from our ho the same hometown, London. Not that I knew him there, but we definitely had some <laughs> connections. Wow, people reaching out, Baruch Hashem already. They're excited that we have this wonderful class today. It's class 63 of our Muna classes. And we want to give a special blessing to Levy Cohen and his special guest, Jonathan Hill, for Soulful Music. We welcome all our guests of the Holy Land, especially all our online followers. And we give you all a blessing that everyone should be blessed and saved from all the challenges we're going through right now in our global situation, but specifically um, for personal reasons, everyone should be blessed with everything they need, simchas and nachas and wonderful, wonderful amuna and gratitude. Amen. Amen. So Amen. also we're praying for the full healing of everybody out there, especially as we've already mentioned with Shalom Ben Yamna, if anyone wants to dedicate a refuah, they're welcome to. Also, would you believe it? There's still people dealing with corona in the world, in Canada, Australia. I thought the war took that away. No, there's still, <laughs> there's still uh, unfortunately, uh, rules in certain places. Thank God in the UK they've wised up and got rid of all of them, as far as I heard. And also in the Holy Land, slowly, slowly, everything's opening up. Thank God. Uh, but everyone should be saved from all these corona things and all these different kinds of demyonas. And please, God, we should be blessed also for the elevation of Gedalia's son, Yerachmadonil ben Gedalia. He is a wonderful neshama who we're already dedicating <coughs> our classes to. And also, we appreciate, again, continued dedication to all our classes and the Rav's teachings of Shalom Orish. We wish everyone a good rest of the week, a healthy rest of winter. We're now heading towards the spring. Purim preps. Purim is less than two weeks away. Excited, Zion Adder already again for Zion for Adder base. We're already in the Mishnah Nicholas Adder Mamba Simcha Kafu. We're already multiplying that and we're sharing Amuna Global as always. We also want to give a big appreciation for your feedback. Every week we get so one so many wonderful comments from all our wonderful listeners. And to remind you all about Rav's Amuna exercises, the wonders of gratitude, Amuna book. This is the latest one that came out. We'll be giving a copy to our guests and also the campaign to love and dedicate your prayers 30, not 30 minutes, but 30 seconds. How long, where are we holding at right now? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I try to make it easy for you guys. 30 minutes of dedicated prayer with Mysterious Nefesh. Mysterious Nefesh means 
time on a, in a daily level praying for him. So now we have a new booklet which has been translated into English. I wasn't successful finding it in the office downstairs in English, but I do have a picture of what it looks like. So we do have it on our website. Apparently, if you order it, there are copies somewhere. I don't know. You have to, you have to find it. You'll be more successful than me once you order them. And uh, yeah, the whole point is loving everyone unconditionally. That's the name of the book. And that's one of the big goals of the Rav in the last few uh, years, especially with everything that's been going on. And let's get to our feedback. Okay, let's go. Meshem blessed the world with a peaceful resolution to the war in Ukraine and a de-escalation of a possible, I don't want to say, new, yeah, or whatever. And uh, that was on my class on war and peace. I spoke about how we need to get resolution over here. And also someone else wrote, God bless Ukraine. And we had a special pre peace prayer, which you guys can say every day, as well as all the other prayers we ask you to do. Shalom, what a beautiful message. Baruch Hashem, I needed to hear it this moment. Todaraba, that was in comment to Rav uh, Yonatan Belaish's classes, also Rav, Rav Cohen's classes on Rabbi Nachman Sipurim, and of course all the wonderful campaigns that we're putting out there, Machitas Shekel, Half Shekel, and the Matanis uh, Evionim, which Rav Dain Algrad kindly put out a beautiful message which we put up on all our platforms. You can share it and donate there. Thank you, Hashem, for giving us Rav Dain Algrad and our wonderful Muna team. Thank you for our guests and our special guests with such sincere soul, smiles and talents. We'll get to Rev Elgrad in a moment, but let's hear from Rev Levy Cohen and Jonathan Hill. A wonderful song. Are you guys ready to go? We are ready. ready to go. You're welcome. If you want to give an intro to what you're performing, it's all up to you. You, <clears throat> This is your show, so all let's right, hear. All right. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's great to be here. This This vibe is incredible. <laughs> and uh, so far, I'm loving the words of truth. Um, this uh, this song is a very uh, a song that's very connected to my heart. I actually um, was able to compose compose it with Rabbi Hill here, and um, it's about a very very simple song about how we're created to get pleasure from Hashem, and it's so simple, it's so beautiful. We're in this world, and sometimes this world could be doubtful. Sometimes this world could, world could be difficult. But then we have the Amunah classes that helps us with that, right? But really, just simply enjoying the process of having Amunah, enjoying the process of living with Hashem, and getting pleasure of being connected to the Creator of the world. So the words are Ain Adam Nevra. A person isn't is only created Lehisanegal Hashem. Get pleasure from Hashem. Lehisane, 
Enjoy the rest of this class. Thank you so much for sharing this unreleased track, which we're looking unreleased. forward. It, that's a big pre, uh, premiere that we were blessed to have in our studio, and we appreciate you sharing with us, both of you. Thank you so much. And it's very relevant, that song, oh. to today's, the topic oh. of today's shit. Oh. Oh. Wow. So that, that is going to be the, the focus of today's class, which we did talk about peaceful, soulful music and flow. But really, it's an answer to one of the big questions that's coming out of every, all the suffering that's going on in the world. Right now, there's big suffering, unfortunately, in the Ukraine. And there's generally and globally with reaction to everything we've been through the last few years with Corona and anti-Semitism that's increased. So we're going to ask Rev. Dine Elgod straight away, how do we deal with suffering in such challenging times? <sighs> Especially during Ada, where we want to be filled with joy. Okay, first of all, that's, a, that's an incredible question. It's probably one of the most difficult questions that people have to ask. How do we deal with suffering? Why does a person suffer? Today, I had a meeting with a couple, and one of the, the women asked, she said, why do I have to go through such anguish and difficulty and suffering? Why do I deserve this? I'm a good person. I've done good things in my life. And why do I have to go through such suffering in my life with everything that I'm going through? That's a beautiful question, and the answers are a bit more difficult and a bit more complicated, but there are answers. So, which one do you want to go to, Ellie? Do you want to go to the hefty answers or the... I think we start off soft. Let's start off soft. Yeah. Okay, first of all, we have to understand, the Messina Seshoim says in his first chapter, he says that if you take, look around you, no one has a perfect life. No one has a life that is everything flows, everything goes clearly and well. Everyone has their own difficulties. Some of us have difficulties financially. Some of us have difficulties physically, emotionally, difficulties socially. The Messina Seshoim says everyone has difficulties. That's a given. Hashem created this world. This world is built with pleasures and with difficulties. And our role and job is to learn how to direct these difficulties how to understand these difficulties. Because if you take a look around you, you'll see that pain 
is part of the world and in many ways it is a very positive part of the world. For example, when a surgeon cuts someone in order to cure him, <laughs> that's pain, but it's good pain. It's pain in order to cure, it's pain in order to heal. So when we're talking about suffering and pain, we have to realize that Hashem does everything just for one purpose, and that is to cure and to heal us. The Gemara says in Brochus, in Tractate Brochus, on the fifth page, the first side, that when a person feels difficulties and anguish and pain, the first thing he should do is do tshuva. Am I behaving properly? Am I on the right path? Maybe Hashem is trying to direct me. You know, the way, in, not that I'm comparing human beings to animals, but the way that when I'm riding a horse and the horse is going a bit straying off the way, I direct him by kicking his side or by hitting him with a stick and helping him go back into the direct path. The first thing we've got to do is, are we on the right path? Well, okay, so that's going to be the format. We're going to keep it short and sweet because even though these are very deep, deep, deep questions, um, we're going to ask one or two quick more questions. And the first one is, how do we fight the seemingly growing anti-Semitism with Amuna? What we did touch on it a little bit last week, but maybe just go into a little bit more because we just hear how pleasurable Judaism and spirituality and Amuna is having connection to Hashem and yet the world seems to have issue with us not everyone but a portion of the world as a people that represent that why how do we deal with it well first of all we have to understand where does anti-semitism derive from answer number one the Midrash says that when Hashem gave the Torah to Amistrad on Mount Sinai, one of the reasons Mount Sinai is called that way, Sinai, is because hatred came down to the world towards Amistrad. Amistrad are hated for no given reason. Anti-Semitism cannot be explained logically. I mean, look at us all, all four here in the studio. We don't have uh, extremely big noses or horns coming out of our heads or tails <laughs> or all those other things in the Dushrima. We are normal human beings. So why are we hated? We're hated because this is something unexplained. Hashem made sure that we are going to be hated, that there's going to be anti-centers. And you know why that is? Because Hashem wants us to keep our unique path in this world. Remember that it's our job to give light to the world, not to change our opinions and our ideals and to become part of the mass, but to keep our uniqueness. That's answer number one. Answer number two, many people that are anti-Semitic they are people who are themselves in pain. They're people who have a bad life, who have a negative outlook on the world, and they're simply projecting all the negativity within them towards others. And it's always easy to find someone weak to make him the victim. So many of these people who suffer from anti-Semitism are people who they themselves are victims. They themselves are captured in their own negative emotions and they're merely projecting it on the easiest and the closest person they can find, which in many places is a Jewish person and they become anti-Semitic. And many researchers have found out that when these people connect to their inner pain and manage to cure it, the anti-Semitism dissipates immediately. Wow, amazing answers, Rav. Thank you very much. And we want to connect it perfectly back to our musicians here because the next question is, what is Jewish music? Like, what defines Jewish music? Um, I think also music, as a big part of our Muna classes, is a solution somewhat <clears throat> to generating that positive energy, that positive message that we're trying to bring more unity. Uh, Levi Cohen now, hopefully, we're always praying that we should have increased output of music and, please God, 
Unity bookings. We want to make more bookings. That people should be able to host him more, and it should be a growing opportunity for him. Already, Jonathan Hill has been doing this for years and years. You know, as part of his journey here in the Holy Land, and we had the pleasure of seeing him at so many simchas and and albums. Like I, I don't even know. Do you have a list? <laughs> make a list. It's too big. Yeah. <laughs> He's singing a lot of background vocals and yeah. you know, Eliezer Kasoy was. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've seen Menachem Herman. He <laughs> did a beautiful video, and you were there mm-hmm. playing the um, which instrument? Trombone. Trombone. Yeah. So you're obviously multi-talented. Anyway, so we want to give it over to you guys, the musicians. What does it mean to Jewish music? And then maybe the Rav can also give us what Rav Oresh has told us in the past, or something new as well. We'd appreciate hearing from both sides. Um. First of all, I feel like nothing answering before Rabbi Hill, so please, Rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Jewish good. music is, uh, is a very debatable uh, subject. I think that there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, influences that come from the world that, you know, that go into music. And oftentimes, uh, Goetia influences come into Jewish music. But uh, I remember somebody asked Rabbi Pinchas Scheinberg Tetzel, um, what Jewish music is. And he said, it's, if it's music that can make you cry, if it can make you laugh, then, you know, that's, that's closer to Jewish music because uh, there's a lot of uh, depth in, in Jewish music that brings out deep emotion. Uh, my old Rosh Hashiba, Rabbi Naftali Elzis, told me that a, a good niggin, you know, can do much more than even a Musr schmooze because it can it goes straight to the heart. And it's very important uh, that a person thinks not of marketing, he thinks more of, I want to move a person's neshama. And it's really important to bring out, you know, the godless, the God part of a person, the image of, a, of, of God within each person, to bring that out and inspire, you know, uh, the listeners and, of course, the musician himself. You know, that's just a small portion of what I think Jewish music is. Very nice. Amazing. <laughs> so that, that's definitely an answer that fits what we're trying to do here. It's all about soulful music and united souls, bringing souls together. So now, Levy, what do you say? I, I, I couldn't, couldn't have said it better, really. Okay. You know? I couldn't yeah. have said it better. It's just, um, I feel like Jewish music to me, I, 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 I wish I could understand 100% of what Rav Nachman means when he says what he says about Jewish music, but to me it's something that brings me closer to Hashem. Something, sometimes I'm listening to music that, you know, background music or things that you want to dance to and it's great, but what music brings you closer to Hashem? Mm. And that's the simplest version of Jewish music for me. Nice. Okay, so it's very much connected to Muna and connection to Hashem. So now another question then, <coughs> if if we're talking about pleasure and singing about it and no, but I, I'd Amuna, also, I'd are we like out counting out the suffering? I want to hear. I'd also like to answer the question okay, about what good. Jewish music Yeah, is. we do want to hear. Sorry, I forgot uh, to ask. First of all, Levi's answer was beautiful. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you why. Yes, uh, not that I'm saying Rabbi Hill's answer wasn't beautiful <laughs> also, but Rabbi Hill and Levi, in my opinion, the, you answered the two most important things about Jewish music. The Messina Seshorim says, and Rabbi Tzadok, elaborates this we have two goals for being here on this world goal number one to connect to Hashem goal number two to connect to ourselves Levi was speaking about goal number one 
connecting to Hashem. And Rabbi Hill was speaking about goal number two, connecting to ourselves. When you hear music that helps you connect to Hashem and connect to yourself, it can be happy music, sad music, it can be mundane music. But when you feel connected, that's Jewish music. When you're not feeling connected, that's got nothing to do with Jewish music. Well, okay, amazing. So I got an email. Um, wait, before we get to this, I just want to ask one more question. It's not exactly the focus of the class, but I think it's something that is connected to pleasure and suffering. I went out with a guy and I liked him very much, but we closed that chapter. How can you like someone so much, but Hashem's not allowing it? So it's a Shidduch question. Okay, I'd like to give a parable. Um, a person can say that he loves alcohol, he loves cigarettes, he loves drugs, he loves a lot of sugar, he loves things that are really not healthy for his body, and yet he knows that it's not good for him. Loving something doesn't mean that it's good for you. You can love something and maybe even feel that you're connected to him, but that doesn't mean that this is what you're supposed to have, which is good for you. So Hashem is not allowing it because this is not the right thing for you. This is not the compatible thing for you. This is not what's going to help you reach your goal and reach the place you're supposed to reach in the eyes of Hashem. So even though you love him, it's not good for you. So you should say thank you to Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for not allowing me to connect to someone that's not good for me. Wow, amazing. Okay, good. So we have an answer for our main questions um, outside the focus. We're going to get to the the, the, focus. the real focus and we're going to get deeper and deeper into how to deal with the suffering. Like we're, we're, our hearts are all, you know, open and raw about what's going on in Ukraine. Do you have a song that can just generate some, some loving energy in the world to counteract some of the war and struggle? I mean, people are literally fleeing from their homes and traveling over borders. It's like a repeat of World War II, God forbid, in some way, or maybe even worse. So uh, if anyone can just generate some love, I think we're in Ushalayim, we're living, thank God, safely. I think we have responsibility to help them through our not only doing charity, but what we spoke about last week, but also through putting out a good media presence of positive energy that people can feel inspired to be giving and be kind and to seek the path for peace. Do you have something for us? Um, I didn't realize that question was coming, but I just came up with something. Oh. <laughs> okay, amazing. Um, have you know song? Give me E minor. Best answers through music. Best answers through music. And the truth is, think about it. What's the only thing we can do to help us in this kind of situation? Is do the exact opposite of war. Love. Love. That's it. Unity. This is not my song. This is a very old song. I heard it from Uncle Moji, I think. <laughs> but it's stunning. front of me I may not follow don't walk behind me I may not 
just walk beside me and be my friend And together we will walk in the ways of Hashem Wonderful response. You, sing, you sing from your Neshama. Thank you. Unbelievable. Wow, wow, wow. We feel very honored to have you both here. That's a Jewish musician. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we got an email. It was written for myself, Ellie Goldsmith. You can always reach out ellie.goldsmith at breslev.co.il. Send your names for the Rav. Send your <coughs> blessings. Send your partnership. Send your questions, your Q&A. Hope you're doing well, Baruch Hashem, they wrote. And I hope the Rav is doing better. I very much enjoy how you give the shurim on Facebook. My question is very long, and I also don't want to sound like I don't believe, so I'll make it short. I do, be- do believe that is first of all. So this is the first part of the question. My question in life is, which I'm sure you hear many times, why do people have to suffer? I can't stand hearing the thing people say, the more you have to suffer here, you won't have to suffer later on. I don't like this answer, and I don't believe it's a good answer. To give to anyone, especially if we're trying to spread the teachings of Torah. So I think we'll stop at that point because there is more, but okay. Let's give, first of all, a big general answer. And the answer is, is that we do not understand the way Hashem conducts his world. We think we may understand and we think that we can ask questions. You see, questions come from a specific state of mind where you feel that you can understand the other side. I'll ask questions about how you're behaving because I think that I can understand your thought pattern. We do not understand how Hashem conducts his world. And I'd like to tell a beautiful story, a parable. It's a bit long, but it's an unbelievable story that just shows us how we don't understand anything, even in this world. Rav Sa'ad Yagaon, one of the great Torah sages, someone came up to him and said to him, I don't understand how Hashem conducts this world, and how does he do this, and why is he suffering, and why is he not? Rav Sa'ad said to him, listen, I can hear your question. I'd like to tell you a story. I'd like to hear what you think. Two people were walking in the desert. One had three loaves of bread. The other one had two loaves of bread. They were walking, and suddenly a third person joins them, and he asks, can he join, please, the meal, because he has nothing to eat. And they said to him, yes, with pleasure. They take their loaves of bread, they share them all together. Each one gets an equal part. When the third person leaves their company, he takes out five gold coins, he gives them to them, and he says, divide it off any way you want. <laughs> well, he walks away. The person who had three loaves of bread says, one second, I had three, so it's only fair that I get three. You had two, it's only fair that you get two. The person who had two loaves of bread says, excuse me, how do you know? If he ate from yours or from mine, let's divide it off equally. You get two and a half, I get two and a half. They went to a judge. The judge was a very clever judge, said, listen, the person, you who had three loaves of bread, you're going to get four gold coins. And the person who had two loaves of bread, 
you're going to get one gold coin. Rafsadja stops the story, turns to the person who asked all the questions and says to him, tell me, what do you think of this judgment? The person says to him, what? What kind of a judge is this? He needs to be fired. How can he give the person who had three loaves of bread four gold coins? That's unbelievable. What? He doesn't know simple maths. Rafsadja says to him, let me explain to you how he reached that conclusion. We said that there were three loaves of bread and two loaves of bread, which means five loaves of bread, and they divided them off equally among all three of them, which means, if we're talking now a bit of maths, stick with me, each loaf was divided into three parts, and each person got five parts, altogether 15 parts, five parts of the one, five parts of the other, five parts of the next. Says Rav Sadia, go now follow the math. The person who had three loaves of bread, if he divided each one into three parts, he had nine parts. Five parts he kept for himself, four parts he gave the third person. The person who had two loaves of bread also divided it off into three parts. He had six parts, five parts he kept for himself, one part he gave to the third person. The person who had three loaves of bread who gave four parts gets four golden coins. The person who had two loaves of bread and had six parts and only gave one gets one golden coin. Now do you understand the judgment? And the guy said, oh, unbelievable. What a clever judge. I didn't even think about it. Said to him, Rav Sadia Gaon, you can't understand basic maths of how things work in this world. And you think you can understand the infinite wisdom of Hashem? So the first thing we have to realize is we do not understand how Hashem conducts his world and why some people suffer more than others, why some people manage to cope with it easier than others. And why for some people, they feel as if they're being persecuted in this world. We are going to give advice how to cope with it. But the first rule is, no, we don't understand. Oh, so this is what the person then responds. I know that suffering comes with the price of humans having free will. But my saying is that Hashem didn't make us perfect. And I'm not making that excuse for humanity to do evil. But we aren't perfect. If a person makes a car, then he destroys a car. Because it didn't fly that person. Would that be doing something crazy if he didn't make the car to fly? So how can the car fly? Hashem didn't make us perfect, but yet he wants us to be perfect. And yes, he understands that we aren't perfect. Like, you know, keeping Shulchan Aruch or all of Torah, it's a challenge. Yet he wants us to be perfect. Um, and at the same time, he pu seemingly punishes us if we're not. So either way, we lose. So basically, this guy is very confused. Oh, very good. That's a, in other words, in his point of view, this is a lose-lose situation. Yeah, okay. No, no. Th these are very good questions. And we have to tackle yeah. these questions. We have to cope with them. In Mishle, in the third chapter, in verse 12, it says, Et asher yohav Hashem yochiach. Hashem, who he loves, he rebukes. Ukeavet ben yirtzeh. Anyone who has children, you know the children sometimes do dangerous things. They can run into the road, they can touch electricity, they're children. We as parents must rebuke them. We must treat them because we love them. Sometimes we must even pain them for them to know they're going on the wrong path. This is, this is part of our duty as parents. A parent, his relationship with his son is only a relationship of love. But sometimes the love manifests itself through pain. For example, giving him a smack on his hand when he's running into the roads and a car is coming because otherwise he'll get run over. So we have to realize Hashem loves us, but sometimes we're straying off the path and Hashem needs to rebuke us because if he doesn't, we're not going to go back onto the right path. So this is a not a lose-lose situation. This is a win-win situation. Hashem loves us. He just wants us 
to go onto the correct path. And once we're on that path, we'll see Hashem's love. Sometimes getting us onto that path is through a slap on our hands. Yeah, Navy knows for me personally that when music and the business always has to be done win-win. Is that right? 100%. And please God, we'll have that. We'll see that manifest. But chef for Godel. But uh, I just want to say if one before we get a little bit more to the question, we are going to go to a bit more music in a minute. But I do feel we need to just go a little bit further deeper with Rav Dainal God's help and Hashem's help into this. Because they're asking now what, and this is something I personally have seen, for example, listening to any podcast nowadays, uh, they'll discuss the new AI, VR, you know, all the crazy new technology or like say Joe Rogan, all these different podcasts, they'll talk about what's coming and Neuralinks, you know, we're going to tap, tap our brains into computers and be, you know, all these crazy <laughs> stuff for the glasses and now already got... You know, the, what we can do on our phones, we'll have on the glasses just with eye movement, like where it's heading technology and the cars and the everything. It's very scary. So we have a question here. When Mashiach comes, how will it be so true that we only have good and no suffering and only happiness? So they're saying when Mashiach comes after that, you know, this whole technological revolution we're going through, the way I see it is true and we'll be, we will all be androids. I mean, this part I didn't understand <laughs> because the way I see it is there's so much suffering. Then why would it just go away when Mashiach comes? People say that humans accomplish more when you suffer and you also get more reward for it. So there's from Saragra, like it says in Pekavas. Good question, which I personally am against that in all ways. By the way, big respect to this questioner. And I didn't mean any disrespect before. Just it can be confusing as well for all of us. Suffering should never be considered an com accomplishment. When people hurt or when any creature hurts, it should never be to improve the world. Instead, Hashem should just make it that we don't have to suffer in order to accomplish your goals. So when Mashiach comes, why will suffering change? That's the real bottom line okay, question. Yeah. Okay, that's a beautiful question. First of all, let's, let's give a small interesting detail about Mashiach. When you picture Mashiach, how do you picture him? As a person with a long white beard or maybe a black beard, his piercing eyes. He looks so regal and spirituality is shining off him. The Gemara says that is absolutely not what Mashiach is about. Do you know what the Gemara says that Mashiach is? The Gemara says this in Tractate Sanhedrin on page 98. Mashiach is a person who suffers Yisurim. He suffers agony and pain and anguish. The Gemara there says Mashiach is going to be sitting at the gates of Rome and his body is going to be so plagued that when everyone else is managing to bandage themselves, Mashiach is not managing to do it quickly enough because on every single part of his body, he's got another physical problem. Mashiach will be a person who is suffering pain and agony for his whole life. So Mashiach himself is connected to pain and agony. And our sages explain why is that? Because the only way to truly connect to other people is when you can feel their suffering, when you can feel their pain. When you're sitting here in a nice warm studio, we are trying to connect to what the Ukrainians are going through, but that doesn't mean that we're really managing to do it. You need to experience in order to be able to truly connect. So Mashiach is a person who experiences agony. That's the first part of the question. <clears throat> the second part of the question is what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. I'd like to answer this from Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu Rabbi Nachman Breslev says in the Kutim Maran in chapter 250, he says that all pain and anguish comes from only one thing. You know what that is? Chesu and Adas. When you don't have the knowledge and wisdom to understand why Hashem is causing you pain and suffering. When a person understands, for example, if I now know that I have to have an injection, I have to have an inoculation, 
I have to go through some medical procedure that's a bit paining. I know it's for my better good. Am I going to say anything? I realize this is part of the way the world is conducted. You have to suffer a bit in order for things to become better. I'm not going to start saying to myself, Oh, why is that <clears throat> evil doctor taking that needle and shoving it into my hand? Couldn't he find something easier? That's the way the world is built. I know it's for my better good, so I'm accepting it. Says Rabbi Nachman of When you realize that everything that's happening to you is for your better good, to direct you on the path, even though you don't understand, you don't have to understand this. You have to believe in it. When you believe in it, pain, suffering, and anguish will become much easier. Wow. Amazing. So Das is the key. Do we have a song on that note? We definitely do. Yeah, I mean, I remember your album, Nakula Tova, gave me a lot of inspiration and also the recent releases you put out. Um, it's up to you. You choose a song. Yeah. No, so this song is a, uh, another original that... Oh, um, lucky us. Lyrics are written by myself and Nasan Ingba. Um, it's a song about the journey that one goes from his confusion to his clarity. Wow. This is really the story of all of Am Yisrael and the whole, the whole, um, Golas, I say Golas in English? Exile. exile. Whole exile and redemption. Good job. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Why can't I see you? Why can't I feel you? I know you exist But then why am I lost in my midst? Oh, I'm trying to resist The temptations That have me on Oh, I want to But I can't do that without you Al tashlicheni milfanecha Veruach kotshecha Al tikach mimeni Shy away, show me your face, tell me it'll all be okay. Please send me a sign that I'm not the bad guy. Help me see that my pain oh, is not in vain. Where is the rainbow after rain? Milfanecha, 
True pleasure, really helping us really understand the words that we're learning here today, bringing it alive for music. Excellent. And uh, where, where do you find this track? Because I haven't heard it also. I, I haven't released it yet. Also, another unreleased track. Oh. Wow, we're getting all the premieres. Here. Oh, yes. Ellie, for you, for the one Amazing. Thank you. I'd like, Thank I'd, like, I'd like to also add something, just to elaborate on a mm. small point of Rabbi Nachman's words. We all know that we are really tested in the difficult situations. Like, for example, it's very easy to love our wives when everything is going well and smoothly and everything wives? is so beautiful. You have a wife? Not what? yet. Be'ez v'sashem at the right time. Amen. 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 Yes. Right time. It's easy to love our children when everything goes well. It's easy to love our friends when everything is a-okay. But the real trial, are we really loving, are we really connected, is when things are going difficultly when things are not going the way they should, that's when we're tested to see, do you really love someone else? Are you really willing to go out towards someone else? Or do you love yourself? Our job in this world is to connect to Hashem, to believe in Hashem. It's easy to believe in Hashem when everything's fine. I mean, if I win every single week, the lot of you know, 40 million here, 20 million here, everything's going well, I'm completely healthy, I have no issues, no problems. It's easy to love Hashem. That's not the real test. The test is, do you love Hashem when you don't understand what's going on? Do you love Hashem when things are difficult? And that is what Rabbi Nachman means, that because of the lack of wisdom, do we have Yisurim, do we have agony and pain? Because when you realize that Hashem is testing you to see, my son, you love me, are you connected to me? Then it will be so much easier for us to understand that we've got to go through this path to really reach our goal, and that is to connect to Hashem. Uh. So that's a very big, big climax now to what we're going to do with the class. That we basically covered a lot of ground with the challenges that are going on globally and specifically in Ukraine in terms of suffering. And people are asking questions about suffering, especially with everything gone through the last few years. And we're going to end off just with a final part of the question. There was more asked, but I don't want to overly ask. 
this point. So Hashem wants us to use, this is what the, wrote, the person writing in wrote, all of our physical talents, like uh, Levy's doing, or Jonathan's doing, and desire to serve him. I'm not saying that is wrong or bad. It's a good thing. If the entire thing which I was told is that when you suffer, it's to improve a person, then should we not also suffer when Mashiach comes to improve even more? And why should it always have to be through suffering? Hashem can make humans improve to our head level through knowledge, which is what we were discussing before, das, and not through suffering. So meaning, like, why can't he just now convert all the suffering in the world to just uh, an experience of wisdom and knowledge? You know, like, this global, uh, people talk about it in in the world even. They already, maybe they're starting to taste a little bit what Rav Elgar's and Rabbi Nachman was hinting to us that the idea that there's going to be this explosion of knowledge. So can't we just experience that instead of the suffering? And it can make it that humans do not need to suffer to improve by knowledge to improve themselves. Thank you for your understanding. That's really the, the end point of the question. Good question. Okay, let's start. First of all, I disagree with his initial assumption that we have to work Hashem with every single power that we have. Sometimes... Our working Hashem is by not utilizing a power that we got. That's what Hashem wants from us. Like, for example, I'm going to tell a story, a short story about the Shevet HaLevi, Rabbi Vosna's mother. Rabbi Vosna's mother had a beautiful, beautiful voice. She was offered to sing in the Viennese opera and to become a world-known opera singer. She said no. And because she said no, she got a son who was one of the greatest sages of the last generation, Rabbi Shmuel HaLevi Vosna of Blessed Memory. This is where she had to take the power that she got and she had to not use it in the way she was offered. <clears throat> Levi here is a incredible singer. If he was now offered to sing in a place that's not according to halacha or that's not according to our Jewish restrictions, his job would be to say, no, this is what Hashem here wants me to be silent, not to speak. So and first I can all, testify he's done that for the last many years. Is that correct? That's yeah. correct. So, so, I, why we're so, just so, so I hit on a good point. <laughs> so that's the first, the initial assumption. No, we have to work Hashem and with, with the powers that we're supposed to work with Him, maximize them. But there are things that we're supposed to put aside. That's what Hashem wants. Now, the question was asked about knowledge. Why shouldn't Hashem just give us all the knowledge? We have to understand that we were placed in this world in order to go through to play the game, to go through the trial. Do we stick and cling on to Hashem? irrelevant to what happens. There's a beautiful parable given by Rabbi Melech of Lijansk of Blessed Memory. The future days, the days before Mashiach comes, are called Chevlei Mashiach. If we translate, there will be the strings of Mashiach. He says, what does it mean the strings of Mashiach? He says, imagine there's this massive string that's from one end of the world to the other, and everyone is holding on to it. And someone is rocking that string, that, oh, so hard, everything is being rocked hard. Most people just give up. They open their hands and they fall down. Yeah. Those who stay clinging on the ropes and the ropes and they don't give up, those will be the ones who will go through Hevde Mashiach. We were put on this world to play the game, to go through the trial. If we were given the knowledge, where's the trial? Then what's the difference between us and angels who know everything? Our job is to go through all the difficulties of life, through the hardships, through the pain, through the anguish, and nevertheless to cling on to the string, onto the rope and not to give up on our Muna. Wow, unbelievable. Wow. So we're obviously very, very close, based on what I'm experiencing. I don't know if everyone else feels the same way, but if uh, the Rav's meeting with people and all their different sufferings, and I'm seeing from the online feedback I get... We're very close. And uh, generally people are 
even putting out there on different Torah podcasts about how certain steps before Mashiach are being fulfilled now with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and other things. There's a lot of anticipation, especially also with the fact that Rav Oresh is missing from teaching our class. It's almost like a, a final Hester. We don't get to hear his wonderful no, teachings in person, even though Rav Elga is doing an excellent job. Pathetic substitutes. He's not getting it. He's not getting oh, it. Yes, we the, we want to hear the praying. words of the tzaddik. We also re-invite <laughs> our guests to come back when Rav Oresh is here so they can get a brocha, a blessing. Maybe even afterwards we'll go walk over to his house if you have a minute. I try get a blessing and uh, in person if he's there at this moment, we'll try. But um, I think we should end off the class with some songs and then we'll just round off the class with a blessing from everyone. And uh, yeah, I think whatever songs you want to play, but something a bit more energized um, in terms of Simcha, we're Mission Ignis Adamam Simcha, that, that should give us the wisdom to go ahead and do all the, the wonderful teachings we have. I think this sums up the whole, the whole uh, Muna class. Oh.
And they put their Shabbos clothing on, white tablecloth, all the food, everything, right? And they sang their Shabbos songs, and all of a sudden they started feeling Shabbos. And they were very bothered about it. Like, what? Well, I thought Shabbos is for Shabbos, why am I? And they went to their Rebbe. And the Rebbe smiled, and he said, you know, Shabbos is always there to tap into. It's a day for Shabbos. But the reality of Shabbos is always there to tap into. Now think of it this way. Adar, Purim, is a time where we tap into a reality that is with us really all year. V'nahapachu, Hashem literally runs the world exactly the way it's supposed to be. And even though we don't see it, at one point, it turns around and then we're, then we're like, ah, oh, now it makes sense, right? That's Ada. And you could really tap into Ada, just like they tapped into Shabbos. You could really tap into the whole year because it's a reality that's consistently existent. Ending off with that note, I want to sing a Purim song. Yes. <laughs> A bracha from everyone. Everyone should give a bracha, a blessing. And we thank you. We hope to have the Waterbury boy at some point. Uh, Ellie, I've forgotten his last name, but hopefully it'll be confirming. 
and all the other wonderful guests, Chef from Svart, Judah Michelle. We're still pushing to make these Amunakas awesome. And Levy Cohen, check him out online. We hope to have the RAV to have full recovery so we can join you in person. And once again, we thank again Jonathan Hill for his amazing guitar playing and singing. It's a pleasure to have them. We check, we recommend, check them out, book them, make them big in the, you know, in Shafa and Brocha. Amen, amen. And uh, amen, blessing amen. from the Rav and uh, from Malavi before we turn off. That's it. But I'd just like to end with one thing. Oh. You sang two songs about Purim. The first one you sang that even within the depths of things that are hidden, Hashem is there. And that Mishan Ichnas Adar, when Adar comes in, you've got to be happy. The Gemara says in Tractate Chulin, page 139 on the second side, that where is the hint from Esther from the Torah? Ve'anuchi haster haster panai. Hashem says to Am Yisrael, I shall hide myself. The whole miracle of Purim is a miracle of hidden within something that looks natural. And that is the greatest joy. To know that even within what we think is natural, everything is a miracle. Hashem is there in every single step. Wow. Amen. So we should have a bracha. We should know that. Amen. All of us. We should live it and it should affect our daily life and everything we're Amen. doing. Amen. Okay. Gavaldik, thanks for joining our 63rd Amuna class. We'll join you next week and we wish you all a beautiful rest of the week and a good Shabbos and a happy, happy preparation for Purim. Class. Looking forward to Levi Cohen coming for so long. Welcome to our 63rd Amuna class with Rav Sholem Orish's wonderful studio in Jerusalem. Unfortunately, the Rav himself will not be here, but guess what? We have a wonderful, wonderful step in or sidekick, or I don't know, I feel like I'm Mazalza right now. We have a wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to help him. The correct expression is a pathetic substitutes no 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 we have this discussion every week okay very good we're still playing got that over with let's continue (laughs) yeah let's continue (laughs) let's move forward quickly we're praying for rav shalom ben yemna to please god return to our wonderful classes but guess what this week and this is something that's been in discussion for a long long time levy cohen is in the house Yes, all the way from London, or yes. rather, where are you living now? And you shall and Eretz Kodesh, and you shall Kodesh. Unbelievable! We came all the way, and Rav Yonason Hill, all the way from Ramat. Is that right? Ramat Shlomo. Ramat Shlomo. There we go. Almost. So <laughs> it's a big, big honor to have these two talented musicians. It's in the merit of Levi Cohen that we have Yonason Hill in the house. He is an excellent, excellent guitarist and singer, a professional all the way for many, many years. And Levi Cohen is an old friend from our, the same hometown, London. Not that I knew him there, but we definitely had some <laughs> connections. Well, wow, people reaching out, Baruch Hashem already. They're excited that we have this wonderful class today. It's class 63 of our Muna classes. And we want to give a special blessing to Levi Cohen and his special guest, Jonathan Hill, for soulful music. We welcome all our guests of the Holy Land, especially all our online followers. And we give you all a blessing that everyone should be blessed and saved from all the challenges we're going through right now in our global situation, but specifically um, for personal reasons, everyone should be blessed with everything they need, simchas and nachas and wonderful, wonderful amuna and gratitude. Amen. 
Amen. So Amen. also we're praying for the full healing of everybody out there, especially as we've already mentioned from Shalom Ben Yemna, if anyone wants to dedicate a refuah, they're welcome to. Also, would you believe it? There's still people dealing with Corona in the world, in Canada, Australia. I thought the war took that away. No, there's still, <laughs> there's still uh, unfortunately, uh, rules in certain places. Thank God in the UK, they've wised up and got rid of all of them, as far as I heard. And also in the Holy Land, slowly, slowly, everything's opening up, thank God. Uh, but everyone should be saved from all these Corona things and all these different kinds of demonis. And please, God, we should be blessed. Also, for the elevation of Gedalia's son, Yerachmadonio ben Gedalia, he is a wonderful neshama who we're dedicating our classes to. And also, we appreciate, again, continued dedication to all our classes and the Rav's teachings of Shalom Orish. We wish everyone a good rest of the week, a healthy rest of winter. We're now heading towards the spring. Purim preps. Purim is less than two weeks away. Excited. Zion Adder already again for Zion, for Adder base. We're already in the Mishnah Nicholas Adder, Mama Simcha, Kafu. We're already multiplying that and we're sharing Amuna Global as always. We also want to give a big appreciation for your feedback. Every week we get so one, so many wonderful comments from all our wonderful listeners. And to remind you all about Rav's Amuna exercises, the wonders of gratitude, Amuna book. This is the latest one that come out. We'll be giving a copy to our guests and also the campaign to love and dedicate your prayers 30, not 30 minutes, but 30 seconds. How long, where are we holding at right now? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yes. Sorry, I try to make it easy for you guys. 30 minutes of dedicated prayer with Mysterious Nefesh. Mysterious Nefesh means time on a, on a daily level praying for myself. Now we have a new book which has been translated into English. I wasn't successful finding it in the office downstairs in English, but I do have a picture of what it looks like. So we do have it on our website. Apparently, if you order it, there are copies somewhere. I don't know. You have to you have to find it. You'll be more successful than me once you order them. And uh, yeah, the whole point is loving everyone unconditionally. That's the name of the book. And that's one of the big goals of the Rav in the last few uh, years, especially with everything that's been going on. And let's get to our feedback. Okay, let's go. Meshem bless the world with a peaceful resolution to the war in Ukraine and a de-escalation of a possible, I don't want to say, new, yeah, whatever. And uh, that was on my class on War and Peace. I spoke about how we need to get resolution over here. And also someone else wrote, God bless Ukraine. And we had a special pre peace prayer, which you guys can say every day, as well as all the other prayers we ask you to do. Shalom, what a beautiful message. Baruch Hashem, I needed to hear it this moment. Todaraba, that was in comment to Rav Yonatan Belaish's classes, also Rav Rav Cohen's classes on Rabbi Nachman Sipurim, and of course all the wonderful campaigns that we're putting out there, Machitas Shekel, Half a Shekel, and the Matanis um, Evionim, which Rav Dine Elgrad kindly put out a beautiful message which we put up on all our platforms. You can share it and donate there. Thank you, Hashem, for giving us Rav Dine Elgrad and our wonderful Muna team. Thank you for our guests and our special guests with such sincere soul, smiles and talents. We'll get to Rev Elgrad in a moment, but let's hear from Rev Levy Cohen and Jonathan Hill. A wonderful song. Are you guys ready to go? We are ready to go. You're welcome. If you want to give an intro to what you're performing, it's all up to you. You, This is your show, so let's all right. hear it. All right. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's great to be here. This This vibe is incredible. <laughs> and uh, so far, I'm loving the words of truth. Um, this uh, this song is a very uh, a song that's very connected to my heart. 
I actually um, was zeichet to compose, compose it with Rabbi Hilher. And um, it's about a very, very simple song about how we're created to get pleasure from Hashem. And it's so simple. It's so beautiful. We're in this world, and sometimes this world could be doubtful. Sometimes this world could, world could be difficult. But then we have the Amunah classes that helps us with that, right? But really, just simply enjoying the process of having a money, enjoying the process of living with Hashem and getting pleasure of being connected to the creator of the world. So the words are Ain Adam Nevra. A person isn't is only created to his anegal Hashem to get pleasure from Hashem. Beautiful. <laughs> Ain't no dom line of raw, hello, hello. Enjoy the rest of this class. Thank you so much for sharing this unreleased track, which we're looking unreleased. forward. It that's a big pre, uh, premiere that we were blessed to have in our studio, and we appreciate you sharing with us, both of you. Thank you so much. It's very relevant that song. Oh, today's the topic oh. of today's share. Oh, oh. Wow. so that that is going to be the the focus of today's class, which 
we did talk about peaceful, soulful music and flow, but really it's an answer to one of the big questions that's coming out of every, all the suffering that's going on in the world. Right now there's big suffering, unfortunately, in the Ukraine, and there's generally and globally with reaction to everything we've been through the last few years with corona and anti-Semitism that's increased. So we're going to ask Rev. Elgod straight away, how do we deal with suffering in such challenging times? Especially during Adda, where we want to be filled with joy. Okay, first of all, that's a that's an incredible question. It's probably one of the most difficult questions that people have to ask. How do we deal with suffering? Why does a person suffer? Today, I had a meeting with a couple, and one of the the woman asked. She said, "Why do I have to go through such anguish and difficulty and suffering? Why do I deserve this? I'm a good person. I've done good things in my life." And why do I have to go through such suffering in my life with everything that I'm going through? That's a beautiful question. And the answers are a bit more difficult and a bit more complicated, but there are answers. So, which one do you want to go to, Ellie? Do you want to go to the hefty answers or the... I think we start off soft. Let's start off soft. Yeah. Okay, first of all, we have to understand the Messina Shoim says in his first chapter, he says that if you take look around you, no one has a perfect life. No one has a life that is everything flows, everything goes clearly and well. Everyone has their own difficulties. Some of us have difficulties financially, some of us have difficulties physically, emotionally, difficulties socially. The Messina Shoim says everyone has difficulties. That's a given. Hashem created this world. This world is built with pleasures and with difficulties. And our role and job is to learn how to direct these difficulties, how to understand these difficulties. Because if you take a look around you, you'll see that pain is part of the world. And in many ways, it is a very positive part of the world. For example, when a surgeon cuts someone in order to cure him, that's pain. But it's good pain. It's pain in order to cure. It's pain in order to heal. So when we're talking about suffering and pain, we have to realize that Hashem does everything just for one purpose, and that is to cure and to heal us. The Gemara says in Brochus, in Tractate Brochus, on the fifth page, the first side, that when a person feels difficulties and anguish and pain, the first thing he should do is do tshuva. Am I behaving properly? Am I in the right path? Maybe Hashem is trying to direct me. You know, the way... In, not that I'm comparing human beings to animals, but the way that when I'm riding a horse and the horse is going a bit straying off the way, I direct him by kicking his side or by hitting him with a stick and helping him go back into the direct path. So the first thing we've got to do is, are we on the right path? Well, wow. okay, so that's going to be the format. We're going to keep it short and sweet because even though these are very deep, deep, deep questions, um, we're going to ask one or two quick more questions and the first one is how do we fight the seemingly growing anti-Semitism with a Muna? What we did touch on it a little bit last week, but maybe just go into a little bit more because we just hear how pleasurable Judaism and spirituality and a Muna is having connection to Hashem. And yet the world seems to have issue with us, not everyone, but a portion of the world as a people that represent that. Why? How do we deal with that? Well, first of all, we have to understand where does anti-Semitism derive from? Answer number one, the Midrash says that when Hashem gave the Torah to Am Yisrael on Mount Sinai, one of the reasons Mount Sinai is called that way, Sinai, 
It's because hatred came down to the world towards Am Yisrael. Am Yisrael are hated for no given reason. Anti-Semitism cannot be explained logically. I mean, look at us all, all four here in the studio. We don't have uh, extremely big noses or horns coming out of our heads or tails or all those <laughs> other things in the streamer. We are normal human beings. So why are we hated? We're hated because this is something unexplained. Hashem made sure that we are going to be hated, that there's going to be anti-centers. And you know why that is? Because Hashem wants us to keep our unique path in this world. Remember that it's our job to give light to the world, not to change our opinions and our ideals and to become part of the mess, but to keep our uniqueness. That's answer number one. Answer number two, many people that are anti-Semitic, they are people who are themselves in pain. They're people who have a bad life who have a negative outlook on the world, and they're simply projecting all the negativity within them towards others. And it's always easy to find someone weak to make him the victim. So many of these people who suffer from anti-Semitism are people who they themselves are victims. They themselves are captured in their own negative emotions, and they're merely projecting it on the easiest and the closest person they can find, which in many places is a Jewish person, and they become anti-Semitic. And many researchers have found out that when these people connect to their inner pain and manage to cure it, their anti-Semitism dissipates immediately. Wow, amazing answers, Rob. Thank you very much. And we want to connect it perfectly back to our musicians here, because the next question is, what is Jewish music? Like, what defines Jewish music? Um, I think also music as a big part of our Muna classes is a solution somewhat to generating that positive energy, that positive message that we're trying to bring more unity. Uh, Levi Cohen now, hopefully we're always praying that we should have increased output of music and please God's unity bookings. We want to make more bookings and people should be able to host him more and it should be a growing opportunity for him. Already Jonathan Hill has been doing this for years and years, you know, as part of his journey here in the Holy Land. And we had the pleasure of seeing him at so many simchas and, and albums. Like, I don't even know, do you have a list? <laughs> I can make a list. <laughs> it's too big, yeah. He's saying a lot of background vocals and yeah. you know, Eliezer Kosoi. Was... Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've seen Menachem Herman. He <laughs> did a beautiful video and you were there playing the um, which instrument? Trombone. Trombone. Yeah. So you're obviously multi-talented. Anyway, so we want to give over to you guys, the musicians. What does it mean to Jewish music? And then maybe the Rav can also give us what Rav Oresh has told us in the past or something new as well. We'd appreciate hearing from both sides. Um... First of all, I feel like nothing answering before Rabbi Hill, so please, Rabbi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, Jewish good. music is, uh, is a very debatable uh, subject. I think that there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, influences that come from the world that, you know, that go into music. And oftentimes, uh, Goetia influences come into Jewish music. But uh, I remember somebody asked Rabbi Pinchas Scheinberg um, what Jewish music is. He said, it's, if it's music that can make you cry, if it can make you laugh, then, you know, that's, that's closer to Jewish music because uh, there's a lot of uh, depth in, in Jewish music that brings out deep emotion. Uh, my old Rosh Hashiva, Rav Naftali Elzis, told me that a, a good niggin, you know, can do much more than even a Musr schmooze. 
because it can it goes straight to the heart. And it's very important uh, that a person thinks not of marketing, he thinks more of, I want to move a person's neshama. And that's really important to bring out, you know, the godless, the God part of a person, the image of, a sh of, of God within each person, to bring that out and inspire, you know, uh, the listeners, and of course the musician himself. You know, just a small portion of what I think Jewish music is. Yeah. Amazing. So that, that's definitely an answer that fits what we're trying to do here. It's all about soulful music and United Souls bringing souls together. So now, Levy, what do you say? I, I, I couldn't, couldn't have said it better, really. Okay. You know, I Beautiful. couldn't have said it better. It's just, um, I feel like Jewish music to me, I, 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 I wish I could understand 100% of what Rav Nachman means when he says what he says about Jewish music. But to me, it's something that brings me closer to Hashem. Something sometimes I'm listening to music that you know, background music or things that you want to dance to and it's great, but what music brings you closest to Hashem? Hmm. And that's the simplest version of Jewish music for me. Nice. Okay, so it's very much connected to Muna and connection to Hashem. So now another question then, <laughs> if if we're talking about pleasure and singing about it and no, Amuna, are we like out counting out the suffering? I want to hear. I'd also like to answer the question. Okay, about good. Music. Yeah, we do want to hear. Sorry, I forgot uh, to ask. First of all, Levi's answer was beautiful. Uh, I'll tell you why. Yes, uh, not that I'm saying Rabbi Hill's answer wasn't beautiful <laughs> also, but Rabbi Hill and Levi, in my opinion, that you answered the two most important things about Jewish music. The Messias Yeshorim says, and Rabbi Tzadok, elaborates this we have two goals for being here in this world goal number one to connect to Hashem goal number two to connect to ourselves Levi was speaking about goal number one connecting to Hashem and Rabbi Hill was speaking about goal number two connecting to ourselves when you hear music that helps you connect to Hashem and connect to yourself it can be happy music sad music it can be mundane music but when you feel connected that's Jewish music when you're not feeling connected that's got nothing to do with Jewish music Wow. Okay, amazing. So I got an email. Um, wait, before we get to this, I just want to ask one more question. It's not exactly the focus of the class, but I think it's something that is connected to pleasure and suffering. I went out with a guy and I liked him very much, but we closed that chapter. How can you like someone so much, but Hashem's not allowing it? So it's a shidduch question. Okay, I'd like to give a parable. Um person can say that he loves alcohol, he loves cigarettes, he loves drugs, he loves a lot of sugar, he loves things that are really not healthy for his body, and yet he knows that it's not good for him. Loving something doesn't mean that it's good for you. You can love something and maybe even feel that you're connected to him, but that doesn't mean that this is what you're supposed to have, which is good for you. So Hashem is not allowing it because this is not the right thing for you. This is not the compatible thing for you. This is not what's going to help you reach your goal and reach the place you're supposed to reach in the eyes of Hashem. So even though you love Him, it's not good for you. So you should say thank you to Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for not allowing me to connect to someone that's not good for me. Wow, amazing. Okay, good. So we have an answer for our main questions um, outside the focus. 
we're going to get to the 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 real focus and we're going to get deeper and deeper into how to deal with the suffering like we're, we're our hearts are all you know open and raw about what's going on in ukraine do you have a song that can just generate some some loving energy in the world to counteract some of the war and struggle i mean people are literally fleeing from their homes and traveling over borders it's like a repeat of world war ii god forbid in some way or maybe even worse so uh if anyone can just generate some love i think we're in ushalayim we're living thank god safely i think we have responsibility to help them through our not only doing charity but what we spoke about last week but also through putting out a good media presence of positive energy that people can feel inspired to be giving and be kind and to seek the path for peace do you have something for us um i didn't realize that question was coming but i just came up with something oh. <laughs> amazing um and we know something e minor best answers through music best answers through music and the truth is think about it what's the only thing we can do to help us in this kind of situation is do the exact opposite of war love love that's it unity this is not my song this is a very old song i heard it from uncle maji i think <laughs> <laughs> but it's stunning mm-hmm. Don't walk in front of me, I may not follow Don't walk behind me, I may not leave Just walk beside me and be my friend And together we will walk in the ways of Hashem Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful response from you see, Olavi you Cohen. Yeah. From you Thank you. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. We feel very honored to have you both here. That's a Jewish musician. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we got an email. It was written for myself, Ellie Goldsmith. You can always reach out ellie.goldsmith at breslev.co.il. Send your names for the Rav. Send your <laughs> blessings. Send your partnerships. Send your questions, your Q&A. Hope you're doing well, Baruch Hashem, they wrote. And I hope the Rav is doing better. 
I very much enjoy how you give the showroom on Facebook. My question is very long, and I also don't want to sound like I don't believe, so I'll make it short. I do, be do believe that is first of all. So this is the first part of the question. My question in life is, which I'm sure you hear many times, why do people have to suffer? I can't stand hearing the thing people say, the more you have to suffer here, you won't have to suffer later on. I don't like this answer, and I don't believe it's a good answer. To give to anyone, especially if we're trying to spread the teachings of Torah. So I think we'll stop at that point, because there is more, but... Okay. Yeah. Let's give, first of all, a big general answer. And the answer is, is that we do not understand the way Hashem conducts His world. We think we may understand, and we think that we can ask questions. You see, questions come from a specific state of mind where you feel that you can understand the other side. I'll ask questions about how you're behaving because I think that I can understand your thought pattern. We do not understand how Hashem conducts His world. And I'd like to tell a beautiful story, a parable. It's a bit long, but it's an unbelievable story that just shows us how we don't understand anything, even in this world. Rav Saadia Gaon, one of the great Torah sages, someone came up to him and said to him, I don't understand how Hashem conducts this world, and how does he do this, and why is he suffering, and why is he not? Rav Saadia said to him, listen, I can hear your question. I'd like to tell you a story. I'd like to hear what you think. Two people were walking in the desert. One had three loaves of bread. The other one had two loaves of bread. They were walking, and suddenly a third person joins them, and he asks, can he join, please, the meal, because he has nothing to eat. And they say to him, yes, with pleasure. They take their loaves of bread, they share them all together. Each one gets an equal part. When the third person leaves their company, he takes out five gold coins, he gives them to them, and he says, divide it off any way you want. <laughs> well, he walks away. The person who had three loaves of bread says, one second, I had three, so it's only fair that I get three. You had two, it's only fair that you get two. The person who had two loaves of bread says, excuse me, how do you know if he ate from yours or from mine? Let's divide it off equally. You get two and a half, I get two and a half. They went to a judge. The judge who was a very clever judge said, listen, the person, you who had three loaves of bread, you're going to get four gold coins. And the person who had two loaves of bread, you're going to get one gold coin. Rav Saadia stops the story, turns to the person who asked all the questions and says to him, tell you, what do you think of this judgment? And the person says to him, what? What kind of a judge is this? He needs to be fired. How can he give the person who had three loaves of bread four gold coins? That's unbelievable. What? He doesn't know simple math. Absadia says to him, let me explain to you how he reached that conclusion. We said that there were three loaves of bread and two loaves of bread, which means five loaves of bread, and they divided them off equally among all three of them, which means, if we're talking now a bit of maths, stick with me, each loaf was divided into three parts, and each person got five parts, altogether 15 parts. Five parts to the one, five parts to the other, five parts to the next. Says Rav Sadia, go now follow the math. The person who had three loaves of bread, if he divided each one into three parts, he had nine parts. Five parts he kept for himself, four parts he gave the third person. The person who had two loaves of bread also divided it off into three parts. He had six parts. Five parts he kept for himself, one part he gave to the third person. The person who had three loaves of bread who gave four parts gets four golden coins. The person who had two loaves of bread and had six parts and only gave one gets one golden coin. Now do you understand the judgment? And the guy said, oh, unbelievable. What a clever judge. I didn't even think about it. Said to him, Rav Sadia Gaon, you can't understand basic maths of how things work in this world. And you think you can understand the infinite wisdom of Hashem? 
So the first thing we have to realize is we do not understand how Hashem conducts His world and why some people suffer more than others, why some people manage to cope with it easier than others, and why for some people they feel as if they're being persecuted in this world. We are going to give advice how to cope with it, but the first rule is, no, we don't understand. Oh, so this is what the person then responds. I know that suffering comes with the price of humans having free will. But my saying is that Hashem didn't make us perfect, and I'm not making that excuse for humanity to do evil. But we aren't perfect. If a person makes a car, then he destroys the car because it didn't fly that person. Would that be doing something crazy if he didn't make the car to fly? So how can the car fly? Hashem didn't make us perfect, but yet he wants us to be perfect. And yes, he understands that we aren't perfect. Like, you know, keeping Shulchan Aruch or all of Torah, it's a challenge. Yet he wants us to be perfect. Um, and at the same time, he pu- seemingly punishes us if we're not. So either way, we lose. So basically, this guy is very confused. Oh, very good. That's a, in other words, in his point of view, this is a lose-lose situation. Yeah, it's hard. Okay. No, no, these, these are very good questions. And we have to tackle yeah. these questions. We have to cope with them. In Mishlei, in the third chapter, in verse 12, it says, Et asher yohav Hashem yuchiach. Hashem, who he loves, he rebukes. Ukeavet ben yirtzet. Anyone who has children, you know the children sometimes do dangerous things. They can run into the road, they can touch electricity, they're children. We as parents must rebuke them. We must treat them because we love them. Sometimes we must even pain them for them to know they're going on the wrong path. This is is part of our duty as parents. A parent, his relationship with his son is only a relationship of love. But sometimes the love manifests itself through pain. For example, giving him a smack on his hand when he's running into the roads and a car is coming because otherwise he'll get run over. So we have to realize Hashem loves us. But sometimes we're straying off the path and Hashem needs to rebuke us because if he doesn't, we're not going to go back onto the right path. So this is not a lose-lose situation. This is a win-win situation. Hashem loves us. He just wants us to go onto the correct path. And once we're on that path, we'll see Hashem's love. Sometimes getting us onto that path is through a slap on our hands. Yeah, Navy knows for me personally that win music and the business always has to be done win win. Is that right? 100%. And please God, we'll have that. We'll see that manifest, the chef of Godel. But uh, I just want to say one before we get a little bit more to the question, we are going to go to a bit more music in a minute. But I do feel we need to just go a little bit further deeper with Rav Dianel God's help and Hashem's help into this because they're asking now what. And this is something I personally have seen, for example, listening to any podcast nowadays, uh, they'll discuss the new AI, VR, you know, all the crazy new technology or like, say, Joe Rogan, all these different podcasts. They'll talk about what's coming and Neuralinks, you know, we're going to tap, tap our brains into computers and be, you know, all this crazy stuff with the glasses and now already got, you know, what we can do on our phones, we'll have on the glasses just with eye movement, like where it's heading technology and the cars and the everything. It's very scary. So we have a question here. When Mashiach comes, how will it be so true that we only have good and no suffering and only happiness? So they're saying when Mashiach comes after that, you know, this whole technological revolution we're going through, the way I see it is true when we'll be, we will all be androids. I mean, this part I didn't understand because <laughs> the way I see it is there's so much suffering. Why would it just go away when Mashiach comes? People say that humans accomplish more when you suffer and you also get more reward for it. So there's from Sarah Agra, like it says in Pekavas. Good question. 
which I personally am against that in all ways. By the way, big respect to this question. I know I didn't mean any disrespect before. I just it's, it can be confusing as well for all of us. Suffering should never be considered a com accomplishment. When people hurt or when any creature hurts, it should never be to improve the world. Instead, Hashem to just make it that we don't have to suffer in order to accomplish your goals. So when Mashiach comes, why will suffering change? That's the real bottom line okay. question. Okay, that's a beautiful question. First of all, let's let's give a small interesting detail about Mashiach. When you picture Mashiach, how do you picture him? As a person with a long white beard, or maybe a black beard, his piercing eyes. He looks so regal, and spirituality is shining off him. The Gemara says that is absolutely not what Mashiach is about. Do you know what the Gemara says that Mashiach is? The Gemara says this in Tractate Sanhedrin on page 98. Mashiach is a person who suffers Yisurim. He suffers agony and pain and anguish. The Gemara there says Mashiach is going to be sitting at the gates of Rome and his body is going to be so plagued that when everyone else is managing to bandage themselves, Mashiach is not managing to do it quickly enough because on every single part of his body, he's got another physical problem. Mashiach will be a person who is suffering pain and agony for his whole life. So Mashiach himself is connected to pain and agony. And our sages explain why is that? Because the only way to truly connect to other people is when you can feel their suffering, when you can feel their pain. When you're sitting here in a nice warm studio, we are trying to connect to what the Ukrainians are going through, but that doesn't mean that we're really managing to do it. You need to experience in order to be able to truly connect. So Mashiach is a person who experiences agony. That's the first part of the question. <clears throat> the second part of the question is what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. I'd like to answer this from Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman of Breslev says in Yikutim Aran in chapter 250, he says that all pain and anguish comes from only one thing. You know what that is? Nachesu no. Das. Yeah. When you don't have the knowledge and wisdom to understand why Hashem is causing you pain and suffering. When a person understands, for example, if I now know that I have to have an injection, I have to have an inoculation, I have to go through some medical procedure that's a bit paining. I know it's for my better good. Am I going to say anything? I realize this is part of the way the world is conducted. You have to suffer a bit in order for things to become better. I'm not going to start saying to myself, Oh, why is that <clears throat> evil doctor taking that needle and shoving it into my hand? Couldn't he find something easier? That's the way the world is built. I know it's for my better good, so I'm accepting it. Says Rabbi Nachman Abreslev, When you realize that everything that's happening to you is for your better good, to direct you on the path, even though you don't understand, you don't have to understand this. But you have to believe in it. When you believe in it, pain, suffering, and anguish will become much easier. Wow. Amazing. So that is the key. Do we have a song on that note? Definitely do. Yeah, I mean, I remember your album, <clears throat> Nakuda Tova, gave me a lot of inspiration and also the recent releases you put out. Um, it's up to you. You choose a song. Yeah. No, so this song is a, a, another original. <laughs> that oh, um lucky us. lyrics are written by myself and Nasan Engba. Um it's a song about the journey that one goes from his confusion to his clarity. Wow. It's really the story of all of Amisrael and the whole the whole um Gala, so is it a Gala in English? Exile. exile. The whole exile and redemption. Good job. Yeah. I don't know what to do 
Why can't I see you? Why can't I feel you? I know you exist. Then why am I lost in my midst? Oh, I'm trying to resist the temptations that have me on. Oh, I want to believe and I want to achieve, but I can't do that without you. Oh, I want to believe and I want to achieve, but I can't do that without you. אל תשליכני מלפניך, ורוח קודשך, אל תיקח ממני, אל תסתה פניך ממני, אל תסתה, don't shy away, show me your face, tell me love. Send me a sign that I'm not the bad guy. Help me see that my pain oh, is not in vain. Where is the rainbow after rain? Are you real or am I insane? Father, please, I feel like I'm bad again. אל תשליכני מלפניך, ורוח קודשך, אל תיקח ממני, אל תסתה פניך ממני, אל תסתה, don't shy away, show me your face, tell me love. I'm starting to see you within every little thing that I do I see you in the trees in the beautiful deep blue seas I feel you when I'm alone now I know that you're in control thank you for being my backbone no more shall I pass by
Now we can clap. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow, what a pleasure. True pleasure. Really helping us really understand the words that we're learning here today and bringing it alive through music. It's excellent. And uh, where, where'd you find this track? Because I haven't heard it also. I, I haven't released it yet. Also another unreleased track. Oh. Wow, we're getting all the premieres here. Oh, yes. Ellie, for you. For the Amazing. Class. Thank Definitely. you. I'd like, Thank I'd you, like, I'd, like, I'd like to also add something, just to elaborate on a yeah. small point of Rabbi Nachman's words. We all know that we are really tested in the difficult situations. Like, for example, it's very easy to love our wives when everything is going well and smoothly. And wives? So beautiful. You have a wife? It's easy to love our children when everything goes well. It's easy to love our friends when everything is a-okay. But the real trial, are we really loving, are we really connected, is when things are going difficultly, when things are not going the way they should. That's when we're tested to see, do you really love someone else? Are you really willing to go out towards someone else? Or you love yourself our job in this world is to connect to Hashem to believe in Hashem it's easy to believe in Hashem when everything's fine I mean if I win every single week the lottery you know 40 million here 20 million here everything's going well I'm completely healthy I have no issues no problems it's easy to love Hashem that's not the real test the test is do you love Hashem when you don't understand what's going on do you love Hashem when things are difficult and that is what Rabbi Nachman means that because of the lack of wisdom do we have you soon? Do we have agony and pain? Because when you realize that Hashem is testing you to see, my son, do you love me? Are you connected to me? Then it will be so much easier for us to understand that we've got to go through this path to really reach our goal. And that is to connect to Hashem. Ah, so that's a very big, big climax now to what we're going to do with the class. That we basically covered a lot of ground with the challenges that are going on globally and specifically in Ukraine in terms of suffering and people are asking questions about suffering, especially with everything gone through the last few years. And we're going to end off just with a final part of the question. There was more asked, but I don't want to overly ask this point. So Shem wants us to use, this is what the, wrote, the person writing in wrote, all of our physical talents, like uh, Levy's doing and Jonathan's doing, and desire to serve him. I'm not saying that is wrong or bad. It's a good thing. If the entire thing which I was told is that when you suffer, it's to improve a person, then should we not also suffer when Mashiach comes to improve even more? And why should it always have to be through suffering? Hashem can make humans improve to our head level through knowledge, which is what we were discussing before, das, and not through suffering. So meaning, like, why can't he just now convert all the suffering in the world to just a, an experience of wisdom and knowledge? You know, like, this global, uh, people talk about it in... In the world, even they already maybe they're starting to taste a little bit what Ravel goes and Rabbi Nachman was hinting to us that the idea that it's going to be this explosion of knowledge. So can't we just experience that, but instead of the suffering? And it can make it that humans do not need to suffer to improve by knowledge to improve themselves. Thank you for your understanding. That's really the the end point of the question. Good question. Okay, let's start. First of all, I disagree with his initial assumption that we have to work Hashem with every single power that we have. Sometimes our working Hashem is by not utilizing a power that we got. That's what Hashem wants from us. Like, for example, we're going to tell the story, a short story about the Shevet HaLevi, Rabbi Vosna's mother. Rabbi Vosna's mother had a beautiful, beautiful voice. She was offered to sing in the Viennese opera and to become a world-known opera singer. She said no. 
And because she said no, she got a son who was one of the greatest sages of the last generation, Rabbi Shmuel Halevi Vozna of blessed memory. This is where she had to take the power that she got, and she had to not use it in the way she was offered. <coughs> Levi here is a incredible singer. If he was now offered to sing in a place that's not according to halacha, or that's not according to our Jewish restrictions, his job would be to say, no, this is what Hashem here wants me to be silent, not to speak. So and I can not... testify he's done that for the last many years. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, so, so that's I, why we're so, just so, so I now. hit on a good point. <laughs> so that's the first, the initial assumption. No, we have to work Hashem and with, with the powers that we're supposed to work with Him, maximize them. But there are things that we're supposed to put aside. That's what Hashem wants. Now, the question was asked about knowledge. Why shouldn't Hashem just give us all the knowledge? We have to understand that we were placed in this world in order to go through, to play the game, to go through the trial. Do we stick and cling on to Hashem? irrelevant to what happens. There's a beautiful parable given by Rabbi Melech of Dijansk of blessed memory. The future days, the days before Mashiach comes, are called Chevle Mashiach. If we translate, it would be the strings of Mashiach. He says, what does it mean the strings of Mashiach? He says, imagine there's this massive string that's from one end of the world to the other, and everyone is holding on to it. And someone is rocking that string, that, oh, so hard, everything is being rocked hard. Most people just give up. They open their hands and they fall down. Yeah. Those who stay clinging on the ropes, on the ropes, and they don't give up, those will be the ones who will go through Chevle Mashiach. We were put on this world to play the game, to go through the trial. If we were given the knowledge, where's the trial? Then what's the difference between us and angels who know everything? Our job is to go through all the difficulties of life, through the hardships, through the pain, through the anguish, and nevertheless to cling on to the string, onto the rope and not to give up on our Wow, unbelievable. So we're obviously very, very close based on what I'm experiencing. I don't know if everyone else feels the same way, but if uh, the Rav's meeting with people and all their different sufferings and I'm seeing from the online feedback I get. We're very close. And uh, generally people are <laughs> even putting out there on different Torah podcasts about how certain steps before Mashiach are being fulfilled now with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and other things. There's a lot of anticipation, especially also with the fact that Rav Oresh is missing from teaching our class. It's almost like a, the final Hester. We don't get to hear his wonderful teachings in person, even though Rav Elgo is doing an excellent job. Pathetic <laughs> Oh, why don't he's not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not getting it. He's not getting oh, it. Oh, yes. We but do we look forward. We're praying. We also re-invite <laughs> our guests to come back when Rav Oresh is here so they can get a brocha, a blessing. Maybe even afterwards we'll go walk over to his house if you have a minute. Try get a blessing and uh, in person if he's there at this moment we'll try but um, I think we should end off the class with some songs and then we'll just round off the class with a blessing from everyone and uh, yeah I think whatever songs you want to play but something a bit more energized um, in terms of Simcha with Mission Ignis Adamam Simcha that that should give us the wisdom to go ahead and do all the, the wonderful teachings we have I think this sums up the whole the whole uh, Emona class oh ואפילו בהסתורה שבסויך הסתורה 
co Hashem izbora. Ay, 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 game ya hoire advori makoshi moi primolejo. Ani oi me, ani oi me, ani oi me. Ay, 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 game ya hoire advori makoshi moi primolejo. Ani oi me, ani oi me, ani oi me. ואפילו בהסתרות, שבשוי חסתרות, בוודאי גם שור, אם ימצוא השם יזבורה, ואפילו בהסתרות, שבשוי חסתרות, בוודאי גם שור. So Hashem is born. Um, I think one of the most beautiful most most beautiful things about being a Jew is other because because you see if I if, if it's not too long I'll say a small story about once there was a few Hasidim right that decided they wanted to see if they feel Shabbos Kodesh because you know there's a white tablecloth and chalant and kugel and salmon and wine or do they feel Shabbos Kodesh because there's something to really feel right so they decided one Wednesday night they're gonna make a Shabbos meal and they made a Shabbos meal and they put their Shabbos clothing on white tablecloth all the food everything right and they sang their Shabbos songs and all of a sudden they started feeling Shabbos and they were very bothered about it like well I thought Shabbos is for Shabbos why am I and they went to their Rebbe and the Rebbe smiled and he said you know Shabbos is always there to tap into it's a day for Shabbos but the reality of Shabbos is always there to tap into now think of it this way Adah Purim is a time where we tap into a reality that is with us really all year. Hashem literally runs the world exactly the way it's supposed to be. And even though we don't see it, at one point it turns around and then we're like, ah, oh, now it makes sense. Right? That's Ada. And we could really tap into Ada just like they tapped into Shabbos. You could really tap into the whole year because it's a reality that's consistently existent. Ending off with that note, I want to sing a Purim song. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 
So we should have a bracha, we should know that, Amen. all of us, we should live it and it should affect our daily life and everything Amen. we're doing. Amen. Okay, Gavaldik, thanks for joining our 63rd Amuna class. We'll join you next week and we wish you all a beautiful rest of the week and a good Shabbos and a happy, happy preparation for Burim. Amen. Amen. We're off.